everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is another Kickstarter Spotlight episode, and today we're going to be talking about a campaign that uh, just recently got underway, and I have one of the uh, creators of the project joining me. Uh, the project is called A Game of Doubles, and it's my pleasure to welcome to uh, Jonathan Thompson to the show for the first time. Jonathan, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Jace. Thanks for reaching out. You know, I said to you, I'm a big fan of the podcast, so it was funny. I'm, I'm a pleasure to be on. Great, man. I'm glad to hear that. Thanks for uh, listening and, and supporting the show. Uh, and uh, I, so I came across Game of Doubles. There were actually a few other creators in social media uh, talking about it. And so uh, I was like, God, this sounds really interesting. You know, it's got that whole tennis thing. Um, the, the main characters are twins. There's a lot of different uh, and double meanings here. But the other part that's really unique is you're taking uh, a unique approach to telling the story. There's a couple of different ways that the story can go. So why don't you, to start off, why don't you tell our listeners kind of what the, the pitch is about, you know, the elevator pitch of the story, and then uh, talk a little bit about the unique story structure and how you uh, decided to go this direction. Sure, man. So A Game of Doubles is about Jackson and Franklin Teach. Jackson used to be a one-of-a-kind tennis all-star who kind of had a meltdown in his last game and he's lived the past 18 years wishing he was that guy again. The story takes place at the brother's 50th birthday party, which is being held in like a really nice party hall. The two brothers slip into the bathroom and start doing lines of cocaine. Little does Franklin know that Jackson has two vials of cocaine, one which is regular, one which is poisoned. And there's a little more sinister element involved in the purpose for being in the bathroom. As the story goes on, we cut back and forth between that final game for Jackson. So there's a beautiful rhythm that goes on in the book. And you mentioned the kind of twisted way you can get the book is that because there's two brothers, because they're twins, I thought it would be really fun to have two different endings. You know, kind of like that, uh, like how they had Clue back in the movie theaters and I think the late 80s, early 90s, where, you know, depending on what showing you ended up at, you would get a different ending. So I thought that would be fun. So we have a, a version of the book where you can just get like a random ending. Then there's another version, which is like my favorite version, which is a double-sided version of the book where you can kind of on one side, read it Jackson and then flip it over and read it Franklin and see kind of the differences. It's more of a point of view difference along with an alternate ending. Now, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about tennis you know, obviously the game, game of doubles, doubles tennis. Yeah. We're talking, about, we're talking about twins. We're talking about two different endings. Um, are you fascinated? Are you, first of all, are you a twin? And, and what is it about? I am not. You're not. There must be some interest or fascination there. Uh, uh, or did you just think, hey, this is a really cool way to tell a story? You know, it comes down to my literary kind of schooling where the idea of the double or the doppelganger is it's a it's a really cool literary device and it's always something that I wanted to play with there's always some fun to it and this story started with me just being in way too many party halls for different events and just kind of like having my brain turn around and I was like in a really nice bathroom one time and I was like oh this would be a fun setting for some sort of story and then I came up with the brothers and then I came up with them as identical twins. And then as I was thinking about the doubling and all this, I started to think of Alfred Hitchcock. 
And one thing that Hitchcock loves is a good game of tennis. So I thought it would be fun to make the main character a tennis player as well. Even though I I think I practiced tennis because my parents signed me up for it for a couple of weeks and left it. That's about the extent of my tennis forte. <laughs> yeah, save. I think uh, maybe when I was 11 or 12, uh, got signed up for a summer program a couple of weeks and then never, uh, never went back to it. But it is a fascinating yeah. game. And so, yeah, like, I don't I'm really, you know, in the interest of full disclosure, I don't really understand tennis. I don't know why they can't just go one point, two point. No. You know, it's 10, 20, no. 40, whatever. It's so it's so strange. And, but uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say the other thing that informed the book, too, was I watched it. I had gotten to a point where I knew I wanted to make this my next project. And so I was starting to dig deeper in studying, you know, just research, you know, the te- the the brother part. I know because I have a brother. Uh, I could figure out everything else, but I said, all right, I need to study tennis a little bit more. So I watched the documentary in the realm of perfection about John McEnroe. Mm. And that was like, that was it for me. You know, his personality 100% informed the character of Jackson. And then like, you know, everything just clicked from there. My artist, Ryan Tarvarez, phenomenal work on the book so far. But I had him watch the documentary too. I, I I like bought it for him for ten bucks so he could watch it. And I was like, watch it, view it, and then everything clicked. Because even he, you said tennis comic, and he's like, I don't know, but there's more to it than just that. Yeah, it's so interesting too because you know Jackson goes into announcing when he's done with his career. McEnroe did did the same, so I can definitely see sort yeah. of the, the inspiration there. And yeah, I mean I even though I wasn't a tennis fan, I was definitely aware growing up, you know, John McEnroe, he was kind of a household name and everybody knew about his temper tantrums and, and whatnot. So yeah, uh, very, very interesting there. Um, plus, you know, I didn't really, it wasn't that I heard tennis comic and thought, well, I'm not sure how that would work because I don't know if you've ever read it, but there's a, there's a Batman annual. I think it's number nine from back in the eighties that it was called the four faces okay. of Batman. And, you know, it was like the, the dark detective, you know, the, the Cape crusader. But, but anyway, it was these four different nicknames that he went by. And one of them was actually a, a tennis story about a, a former tennis pro who got in a, a car accident, was paralyzed from the waist down and he gets murdered on a, the tennis court. And he leaves a clue in this tennis video game that he was playing. And the whole short story in that annual was, it was all tennis informed and, uh, you know, it used a lot of terms of tennis and whatnot. That's cool. Yeah, if you haven't read That's it, I cool. definitely. I'm gonna definitely, look for that yeah, one. Now. Definitely, yeah. check it, definitely check it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's called the four. It's uh, Batman Annual Nine. I'm pretty sure Four Faces of Batman. And I think that story was written by Dan Jurgens or drawn by Dan Jurgens, if I'm if I'm not oh, cool. mistaken. But cool. yeah, as soon as I heard this, I thought of that story and how well that worked with sort of the tennis terms. And uh, again, we're talking about all these things that are kind of doubled, right? We have these brothers that are, yeah, that are twins. Um, you know, we have two different endings, but in a way with twins and, you know, you could speak to this, if this helped it inform, uh, the idea of the story. So many of us have, have regrets, like we make mistakes in life or we did, we take the, the other, you know, the fork in the road and we take one particular path instead of going the other direction. And then maybe if you don't end up where you want to be, or even if you do in the back of your mind, you think, what if, right? What if I'd taken that other fork in the road, you know, taking the other path, where would I have ended up? And with twins, and certainly in this story, it definitely seems like, you know, Jackson took one road and Franklin took the other. 
And in a way, it's examining the idea of, of regret or the road not taken. Um, so is, is that something that you're interested in, in terms of, you know, exploring that in this story, something that you, that you think about, like, you know, in your own personal life? Uh, in, in the book, yeah. I mean, I think the way I have it set up is you see both brothers with their families in, in the first pages. And on the surface, I mean, you probably wouldn't understand why Jackson would not want to be Jackson anymore. You know, he has a beautiful wife. He has had this beautiful career. And now he is transitioning to still being a superstar just as a commentator. But he hates what his life has become so much he would rather be his boring brother. And that's the thing is these are twin brothers who look different only because of the way they style their hair and they dress. Because these brothers also like to, in a way, dress up as the other and take advantage, you know, of the different possibilities that that gives them. You know, I think all that's fun. It's a it, story always comes down to character for me. So when I created the characters, they kind of led me down the path that they wanted to lead me, which made it that I had to have two endings. <laughs> you know, you fall in love with one character. It's very hard to fall in love with two. Yeah, that's that's true. And especially because in a way, it's really like two different versions of, of the same character, you know, just different yeah. choices in, in life, which again, I think that we can all uh, relate to. And it's so... It's so interesting to me in a way, I think just as a species, as humans, we sort of live our life backwards, right? Like we're, we're no more better informed to make life decisions when it's too late, right? Like we make our life decisions in, in high school and our early twenties when we're kind of the most ill-prepared to make those decisions forward thinking with any kind of wisdom or whatever. It's only much later on with living life and experience that you're more capable, but by then it's often too late it's so, too late <laughs> yeah it's, it uh, can be yeah it's it, it's fascinating so uh in terms of of story structure and kind of how you're you're building everything out how much of a challenge was it to do these two endings and you can talk a little bit about uh, your collaboration um with the, with uh, uh the artist as well in terms of you know is ryan. It, yeah. yeah ryan uh is it is it a challenge for him did he go wait you, you want me to draw this, but it's got two, two different endings. Like, I guess I'm asking how much more work was it to do it, to structure it this way? We budgeted that. <laughs> um, you know, it wasn't that hard because there were a few things that I knew I was going to do. You know, I, um, we use the stray bullets page kind of panel layout where it's the eight page panel, uh, the eight panel pages aside from the first page and the last page. And that helped so much with, you know, for me as a writer, because I knew we were going to, I wanted certain sides of the page to be Jackson. I wanted certain sides of the page to be Franklin. I also wanted to put the tennis with each page you read. There's a different pattern going on that you're reading it, which you can't really see right now in the six pages that are up. But as you see the book as a whole, you'll see there's a real rhythm going throughout the whole thing. So I had to like really draw everything out, you know, stick figures, numbering, and kind of figuring it out on that end, which was probably the toughest. But Ryan clicked with it right away. You know, he saw the script, he knew what he wanted to do. He turned over the thumbnails to me and they were so perfect that it was, this has been the easiest collaboration I've had yet. 
Yeah, the other thing that's great about Ryan's art, it, so the book is in, in black and white, and it really, yes. I think it makes the kind of the story and the story beats more impactful in a way because there's nothing yeah. but the emotion in the faces and the body language to really look at. And, and not to say that color is necessarily distracting, but it's more like the story is and the art is distilled down to its purest form in a way. You know, that's something that I got from reading a ton of Stray Bullets. You know, it's there. there's something really magical to just stripping it all away, just to pencil and ink, really. Um, I, probably the, the hardest challenge in the beginning was working with Ryan on those first couple of pages because he wanted to add more kind of effects to it to kind of fill that in. And I was like, no, dude, just straight black, just only something that you can do with ink. Right. Like that is the only way you should be doing things because that's going to be the best way to do it. And it's great. I mean, the best part is also the kind of manga influence that Ryan brought to it that I hadn't thought of at first. You know, he brought up the comic Ping Pong to me mm. and I'd never heard of it before. I had to go out and buy it afterwards and I'm glad that I did. But like, you know, that last page, that, that splash page for number six is just, it feels so manga and so great too. I'm just like, it just works so well in black and white. And I can't wait to have a printed version in my hand. Yeah, well, that's the other part of it, right? Like we're talking about this idea of, of you know, roads not taken and, and regret and, you know, maybe being jealous of uh, grass is always greener. Um, those are all yeah. very uh, kind of emotional points, right? Like uh, emotional story beats that we can relate to. And when you talk about emotion, that is so often what uh, drives manga stories. Um, and, and most of them yeah. can be black and white as well. So yeah, I definitely, yep. that, that pin up yeah. you're talking about, uh, I definitely felt that. And everybody, uh, as a reminder, there is a link in the show notes to the Kickstarter page. You can go and you can see the first six pages and you can see that image that we're, uh, that we're talking about, or you can just, uh, Google game of doubles, uh, and it, you'll, it'll take you to the page. That, that works well. too. And also what, uh, just to bring up for people, if they want to check out in the, it might not be on the page, but I'll, I'll get it up there, is that I have a, uh, you were talking about the article. We made a kind of like a teaser article that kind of sets up the story that we released a couple, like a month before we launched the campaign. And that just is a reporter just following Jackson throughout a day as a commentator. And it kind of places you emotionally where he is. And that was a blast to write too. That one has color. Yeah, yeah, and I, I did check that out um, on, the, on the preview link that you sent me, um, and that kind of brings us to the. There is one other version of the book, right? Like you mentioned, you can, you know, choose one or the other, and you're yes. going to get either, you know, the, yeah. the story from Franklin's point of view or or, or, or Jackson's point of view. But uh, and then there's the obviously the dual flip book, but then there's a third director's cut. Why don't you tell everybody what's uh, what's next? Because yes. that's what I, that's so what I'm. Getting. I want the extra. Yeah, stuff. a lot of people got that. I was actually I was actually surprised by how popular that one was. I don't complain. Um, <laughs> I, my preferred way is the, is the double-sided version, but I am liking what I'm getting to build with the um, with the trade paperback. So, uh, you know, it's going to have each story, the Jackson version and the Franklin version. Then it'll have pages that will just separate the tennis match. So you'll be able to see the tennis match as a whole. It'll have all the pinups that we put in. Uh, you know, we have a bunch there on, you can see it on the, um, on the Kickstarter page. We have some really cool pinups by some great people. And then we have the article will be in there. And then 
uh, we'll do like maybe 10 pages of just process notes, just really digging into like how me and Ryan came to where we came to in the end. And I think that's going to be a fun book. I, I'm really enjoying putting books together. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the the first campaign I ever launched was called Burn Residue. And that was a pretty nihilistic uh, noir about a gas station attendant with third degree burns all over his body and his kind of quest for revenge. And that's been really fun putting together that book. And that's a that's a hardcover. You can actually get Burn Residue and all my back catalog in the kind of add-ons section of uh, the Kickstarter campaign. And it's just fun making these books. Yeah, I mean, you celebrate the the love of story and, uh, you know, kind of the behind yeah. the scenes. I mean, and that's what's great about Kickstarter is having full control over things like some things mm-hmm. that some people find boring paperweights and printing process or whatever. But uh, there's a lot of people that yeah. love the design aspect and just, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, a really nice, pa- a great story for sure. But presented in a nice package just makes it that much more. Yeah, I am enjoyable. I'm a very like texture and aesthetic person when it comes to my books. So you can be rest assured that it will be the highest of quality. Yeah. And getting back to this idea of the director's cut and the, and the process stuff, I, I always find that really interesting. Yeah. I, I buy a lot, you know, sometimes for a big series or what a series would do well, they'll do that. Uh, and I know it's in a way for the publishers, it feels like, well, this is a little bit of a, a money grab, but it's great. Sometimes you get to see the script, mm-hmm. get to see the notes, you get yeah. to see the art in uh, black and white for some of these things. And, what I find so interesting about, you know, having the the process stuff in there is like we've talked about, this is such a unique way to tell a story with these two different alternate endings that I'm very interested in seeing the, and I'm not even an aspiring comic creator, but I, I'm very interested in seeing sort of that, uh, that back matter and, and the process stuff and how you guys kind of, you know, collaborated back and forth to, uh, to build this story, uh, which kind of leads me to my, to my next question. Um, how much did you know in terms of what you wanted the world to look like and sort of the character designs for the brothers before you brought Ryan on? And how much did you just say, okay, you know, this is the artist I want. I trust him. Go crazy. You know, I put a lot of trust in artists. I knew, you know, I knew the bones of it, but I also knew that I wasn't going to meddle and say, oh, like this kind of different kind of faucet or this different kind of bathroom look. I want the artist to feel as free and just like let loose as they can. So I also, I've learned to step back, you know, put the words out there, make sure everything's correct from a story point of view mm-hmm. and then let the artist really fly. You know, I kind of, you know, we pull a McEnroe kind of um, look with the two brothers, definitely. But like, you know, that's all informed by all the stuff we were researching to begin with. Right. It w- I would be very cute. It would be cool if you could like somehow send McEnroe a copy and see if he get him a copy. Yeah, <laughs> then sue us for like life rights. <laughs> <laughs> be like, hey, you know, it's I'm not saying this is about you, yeah. but here's the book. See if you enjoy. I'm not it. saying it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you ever did another, the, yeah, the, if you ever did a another version, you could get a cover blurb from him or something. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if we do well, I do have a crazy sequel in mind, even with the dual endings. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll leave that at that. I have the idea for a 48-page sequel that would just take it to another level. Oh, fantastic. I, I definitely hope you get there because, again, this idea just so fascinates get us funded, guys. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even forget forget about the really cool double-ending kind of thing where I, it's almost like we're getting, you know, twice the story. I mean, I, I'm just interested in learning more about these brothers. They're 
this whole idea of twins and regret, it's something that, you know, it really kind of speaks to me in terms of, of the story. And, and again, Ryan's art is, is great. Um, at what point, you talked a little bit about, uh, you know, having him go a little simpler. Uh, at, at what point, do you remember a specific point or page where he showed you the art for it and you went, okay, he, he's nailed it. This is going to look great. Honestly, it was the thumbnails. Really? It was the thumbnails. He sent me a high resolution um, image of all 24 thumbnails just laid out in one giant image. And I zoomed in on those. Uh, you know, he was like, get back to me as soon as you can if you want to make any changes. And 15 minutes later, after pouring through them, I was like, there's literally not a single change you can make. Just go, just fly, because this is going to work so well. I think it also helped because I was able to see the the pattern that we kind of built with the you know with the tennis match and all that. Yeah, that's an, an, another good um, point. Is that you know you, you keep talking about the rhythm of the story. I mean, so often a good tennis match has uh, a rhythm. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're capturing that in uh, in story form. And the other thing that I want to talk about uh, before we get into more of the details uh, on the Kickstarter itself, that that cover, you know. It, it's so striking. It just grabs you right off the bat. I mean, it was the first thing that kind of caught my attention. I said, like I said, I saw other creators talking That's about good, it on yeah. social media. Um, so was that Ryan? Was that you? Like who, who came up with that? Oh, that's idea? Ryan. Uh, he, that was the first thing we did once we were like ready to go with everything. He sent me a bunch of different cover ideas and it was all based on that Hitchcock, you know, he heard Hitchcock and he looked at Saul Bass and, those are Saul Bass covers and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I mean, I think I, I told him to give it a little more texture. I think that was the biggest note I had and super happy with everything. Well, I mean, it's, so first of all, it's great the way you guys have your names on there. Again, we're talking about like uh -huh. double yeah. meaning, you know, it's green with white lines, just like a tennis court, but it's also like not just white lines. Those are the cocaine lines that they will be doing oh, throughout the again, even you're adding another meaning. The, the other thing it looks like is like yeah, a, yeah. like a chalk outline from like a, a, a dead body, right? And cocaine lines. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The tennis racket. I mean, it's just it's so and if you haven't seen it, everybody, just go it's great. Just go to the Kickstarter page and at least check out the cover. It's worth it's worth it just to yeah. take a few seconds to go and check it out. And it does. It does really. I would. Uh, I would say if you if you check out the Kickstarter, it's going to be hard to leave without backing. Yes, because we also made it, it. There's also a very low cost to even become a backer. You know, I think that's important too. I think comics, even indie comics, shouldn't be ten dollars for a twenty-two page story. Yeah, talk a little bit about the the tiers because, like you said, there is. If you, you want to get a, if you just want to read the story and get a digital copy, you've made it very affordable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I see it out there. You know, my my first campaign, I went riskier because I did a three-issue miniseries, and I just said, this is for all three issues. You get it? We tried to go monthly. We never made it monthly, but we're, we're getting there. Issue three is about to come out. And when I did this one, I was like, it's a simple story. You're either going to be into it or you're not, and it should cost what a normal comic would cost. You know, the, the double-sided version is 10 but that's because it's going to be a little more to it. You know, it's, I think what we have it for five on there for a single issue. Yep. Yeah. 
I yeah. tried to not go crazy. And digital, digital is three for a random ending and six for both. Yeah. So again, super, super affordable. Uh, the the director's cut is is twenty five. That's what I'm getting. That a lot of times that's what you pay for. Uh, you know, like a, a yeah a Kickstarter book. It's it's twenty bucks. Yeah, and so th this is, yeah. <laughs> that's why they all have like nine thousand uh, dollar end end goals, yeah. and ours is our measly little bit. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just to to kind of bring everybody up to speed, as we're uh, obviously we're we're recording this on the weekend. I'm I'm going out of town, um, and we couldn't record it uh, sooner. But uh, just so everybody knows, the goal is thirty five hundred dollars, and as as of this recording, it's at eighteen seventy nine. So it's over uh, halfway there, just a little over halfway there. There's still 18 days to go. So I really want to see this project come to life. And so I will remind everybody, as I always do on these spotlights, that you should go and check it out and join the campaign. But if you can't, if you don't feel it's for you, maybe you hate tennis, you had a broke your leg playing tennis and you associate it with bad things or you just don't have the means, uh, please just share it on social media. That's the best way that you can help out Jonathan and Ryan to get as many eyes on this project as possible because... Uh, as I always say, there's nothing worse than wanting to join a campaign and then finding out after it ended and you didn't get a chance to bid. Um, and especially in this case, because it's not funded yet. And as we all know, it's Kickstarter is, yeah. uh, is all or nothing. So yep. yeah, just please go and check it out, share it on social media. Um, and, and you mentioned you've run some previous campaigns, Jonathan, is there anything different or more challenging about, uh, about this go round? Um, it's it's less challenging to be honest. I mean, we. I, I will say one thing that probably hasn't made me the happiest is that because of we weren't able to sync schedules enough right to have the first one completed in a way before this one began. You know, the the artist for the other project he just wrapped everything. It looks absolutely beautiful. But, you know, I wish I wish there was a little bit of a everyone had received one thing and then gotten the next. But gotcha. they've also gotten two issues of the other before. They've gotten a lot more. Um, but, you know, it, it's easier because the first time you obsess over it, you have the notifications on your phone. You know, every time someone's backing and, you know, every stress that you have. And it took us all the way until the end of our first campaign to get to our goal. But also I came into that like with maybe a hundred Twitter followers, like not much of a following or a base and just kind of winging it. This one, we took time, we planned both me and Ryan have run campaigns in the past. So we've been able to pull some people over to this one. And I just made it so I have no notifications on my phone. I check it occasionally. I have, I know we'll get there and that's all that matters. You know, yeah. we're, we're just too busy creating over here. Yeah. And that's, what's great. Um, once you've run, I feel like once you've run one successful Kickstarter and you start to build that community and then you get people that, that come back because they enjoy your work and they trust you that you're going to get a, a good product. So mm -hmm. I imagine that's a little yeah. bit of what you're talking about. You didn't get to fully finish the the other one, you know, so maybe there's not as much yeah. overlap as there, as there might've been. So. Not as much, but by the time this campaign ends, everyone will have gotten their rewards they'll have gotten their final issue of the three issues so we'll be good we'll be good in the end well but, uh, i love it you know I'll, I'll say you know uh a year ago when all of this craziness began i kind of took a step back and i said well i've been wanting to do comics for so long 
you know, I'm a writer. I write all the time, but let's, uh, you know, comics is always about when you're at the lowest level, you need to pay someone to do the art. Nobody's going to do it for free and anything good is not going to be free. So I plucked down money and I, uh, we, I put together with uh, this Argentinian artist, George Luis Gabata, we put together a sci-fi um, anthology called Tales from the Dead Astronaut, which is also an add-on for $5. Um, but we were really successful and we got picked up by SourcePoint Press. We'll be coming out in September with three issues. So that's great. But that also like lit the ultra fire in me. So now right. I'm just writing all the time, like always looking for new artists to collaborate with, doing way too much, but in like the most perfect way too much way. So this is, you know, and the Kickstarter world just opens everything up because there's more people out there than you even realize and people that are into this stuff. Yeah. And, and you know, with the with the pandemic and as you know, some publishers pencils down and we've, we've seen more and more people go into the yeah. crowdfunded. Uh, and, and I love it because it, people realize, you know, people with smaller projects like yourself realize that just because. Keanu Reeves or Scott Snyder or whoever's doing it on there. It's, it's not, they're not taking money away from you. They're actually helping out. They're bringing no, more eyes yeah. to the platform so people can mm -hmm. discover smaller projects, which is, which is great. It helps that people have that, uh, that login already. Yeah, exactly. The hardest part is creating one new. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. There's it's, been, yeah listen, there's been I would say, I would say about the pandemic the worst part was, not the worst part but in the comic world part was you couldn't get new stuff yeah and i think that's why the market is so crazy right now is yep. because for three four months people told you you couldn't read com new comics and now everybody's like i don't want that to ever happen again no i'm yeah. gonna continue let's keep this going yeah i checked kickstarter i mean it worked on me i checked kickstarter much more and you know i used to do webtoon wednesdays and and you know, that kind of fell away. So I'm like, why not do Kickstarter Wednesdays? Cause there's so many good projects to, to have, you yeah. know, creators on and they're passionate about it. And yeah, I've, I've backed way, I probably maybe a handful less than 10 before the pandemic. And I've probably backed another 20 during the pandemic, but yeah, you're right. And we, well, we've, yeah, we've talked about it a lot of the show, how crazy back issues have gone and whatnot. Cause people either they have a little more disposable income cause they're not going on vacation or there's no cons, you know, for them to spend money at. So yeah. 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 It's been, uh, it's, but it's easy to click. My, my wife saw that I've backed 68 projects at this point <laughs> over the past, uh, I think since October and Fantastic. that didn't go over well for a minute. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I only back things that appeal to me. But that's see, that's another great point. Yeah, is but there's what I, so much good stuff. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. There's so much good stuff. Kickstarter's really become its own community. And I always, you know, have a lot of people on to talk. And I do, I look at like I, I love people that are passionate about comics, passionate about the platform of Kickstarter to the point where they're over there backing something. I'm always suspicious when you see somebody who's out there kind of, you know, asking for crowdfunding, asking for support, but they haven't supported anybody else. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I hate that. You get to, uh, yeah. Like I, I, I think I started backing things cause I knew I was going to do a Kickstarter, but then I literally became addicted to backing some of these projects because <laughs> yeah. they're so cool. Yeah, so and, and there's, there's, that. A, there's a lot to be said too. I've talked to, uh, to a lot of um, Kickstarter uh, project managers and, and creators about uh the fact that you've removed that layer too, right? Like there's so much red tape when you go through a, a publisher and then it adds that extra layer between you and the reader or the fan um, where you're not getting that kind of direct interaction. That, that to me is like the number one 
thing. Cause I'm not a creator. If I was a creator, maybe the freedom to yeah. create whatever I want might be the number one thing I liked about Kickstarter. But as a fan, the interactivity, you know, like, yes, I'm, I'm pressed and I know a lot of people and I can oftentimes uh, get somebody to come on the show to talk about a project. But when there's a pub, especially if it's one of the big two, there's hoops you got to jump through and you can't talk about certain things or they don't want to do the press until a certain time and release it on a certain date and that kind of thing. Man, if I yeah. see a cool Kickstarter project, you know, like I did with yours, I just reach out and you, you know, and the next day we, we can be talking. So do you enjoy that aspect exactly. of it? The kind of removing that layer between the, the fan and, and yourself? I'll say I love three aspects of this whole thing. The first is seeing someone back your campaign. And I've been lucky that um, creators that I really respect have backed my two projects, which is always cool when you're like sending your crime comic to Ed Brisson or right. Jason Alexander. Super cool when you're getting ready to do that. And then like the next part is having the book in your hand. When you have that physical copy in your hand after seeing the pages on your computer screen for God knows how long, that's just like another thrill. And then the biggest thrill after that is when you see people post when they got their copy and how much they loved it. So it's like everything just feels so much more interconnected, much more personal. And I, I love it. It's, it's the best way to kind of like start the comics experience. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it sounds like you have no no plans to to move away from from crowdfunding and and stop the, now. And, and, and making comics. You mentioned, you know, you, you write all the time. Um, and so, you know, to kind of take it back a little more generally about, about your work, um, you know, so often people say, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to do prose or I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to write a screenplay or, or what, you know, what have you, we didn't, I didn't ask at all about what is it about comics and the visual component that kind of inspires you to, to use that medium to tell your stories because, I mean, this is a fantastic idea and you easily could have gone the prose route with it or, or, or done a screenplay or, or something like that. Um, what, what is it about this story and what is it about your work uh, and your desire to tell a story that you choose the comics medium? You know, it's just a really unique medium. You know, I, I very much like, this is dreaded to say, but my first love is film and I'm a film guy. And it's, I'm very like serious about how I view it. I'm very like serious about how things should be made. And I've always been super serious about comics too. You know, I, ever since a little kid, I was drawing my own comics and making my own comics, but it was more like fun because it was fun. And then as I got older and really started to find creators that like were really working craft, like Alan Moore, like Grant Morrison, you know, people that are really like, it's not just, a disposable 22 issue thing for them. Each time they sit down, there's a form to the story that they're telling. And there's ways, especially with pacing, which is like one of my favorite things that only comics can do. And, you know, it's, it's thrilling. You know, it's thrilling to decide how you want someone to read something. You know, a film, you view it a certain way. Yeah, you can stop and start it, but you view it a certain way. A comic, you can read at your own pace, but a great comic will force you to its own pace. And that's kind of what I try to go for. Well, that's a very, I've never heard anybody put it that way, but you're hundred percent correct in terms of even something as mundane and most fans won't even realize this, the way the word balloons are set up, 
and the you know how they're spaced out on the page that controls how fast you read it if you stick them close together people are going to read it faster if you spread them out they're going to read it slower and it's something people don't don't think about but it's uh it's fantastic the other thing that i do hear a lot from people is that well there's no budget in in comics you know and you being a big film buff i'm sure you'd love to see some of your stories come to life on the big or small screen at some point um uh, especially when you're starting out right no no company no production company is going to give you millions and millions of dollars to make your what you see in your head come out exactly you know as you see it as opposed to comics where you know the budget is whatever you got to pay your artist right i mean but but in comics even a company like image is not going to give you the thousand dollars you need the thousands of dollars you need to get that one book made you know it's i actually it's easier and harder than film you know when i did short films it's kind of like a, oh the gang's together kind of thing right. you know you can do it for cheap because you have the equipment you have you know if you know what you're doing you don't have to spend a lot of money to make a great short film um but with comics you know you're you as a writer maybe maybe you'll spend say you spend two hardcore weeks work working on your script that will never match the amount of time that that artist can only dedicate to your work. Right. And that's fair. You know, I believe in a fair page rate. You know, I'm not worried about myself. I do not need to get paid right now. I'm not interested. I want to take care of the artist and then I want to take care of the quality of the work. And that's my budget. You know, I think that's important. Um, it's tough. I mean, but there's nothing more rewarding than if anybody listening at home wants to make a comic write something that's four pages long, save a couple hundred bucks, find an artist on Facebook and do it because you'll feel so much better in the end. Yeah, that is, it's very true. And I hear, and I talk about this on the show uh, periodically, you hear from the guys that, that came up when they didn't have the tools that are available now, you know, digitally and the internet to get your work out yeah. and seen, you know, Charles Soule and Mark Silvestri, they're like, if you want to be a comic creator, then create a comic. There's there's no excuses anymore. You don't have to go to shows like you used to. You yeah. have to put things in the mail. You literally you can go on Webtoon. There's any number of platforms that you can go on and just create your own comic. It doesn't cost you anything. Obviously, if you can't draw, you will have to hire an, an artist. But there's no excuse. Yeah, you will. So, you will have to hire, yeah, hire yeah, one. Exactly. So yeah, yeah if you want to really, create a comic, there really isn't. Um, yeah, I was just gonna say if you want to create a comic, you want to be a comic. To, if uh, you want to be Michael Bendis's writing book. Yeah, exactly. If you want to be a comic creator, go and create a comic. You know, so many people they have all the yeah, excuses. That's of the why only they way to do start. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's crazy. You find the right artist, you can have a comic that looks better than the newest issue of X Men. You know, yeah. it's there. That's where the barrier is different. You know, film it takes a lot to get to the level where it looks like it's you know a modern blockbuster, but a comic you can do that with just the right pencil, inker, colorist and story yeah and that's the other aspect that you know you mentioned getting you know for a for, foreign artist to help you with with your work it's not now that the internet's out here and you know all these social media platforms with artists put, putting their portfolios on their deviant art and all that it doesn't have to be somebody that lives in the same town as you or in the next town over you know yeah you, it, this is worldwide um, it's international i know it's like george with tales from the dead astronauts from argentina uh, Rosano Piccioni, who's my artist for Burn Residue, he's in Italy. And, you know, it's like funny because there's so much different things going on in their countries 
that you're so isolated with. And then Ryan is the first American artist I've worked with and the first artist that I've gotten to actually like video chat with and <laughs> really like know more as a person, which is funny, but that also helps the work too. It's, it's amazing how much smaller the world has gotten, um, especially in the past year of doing these projects. I've met a lot of people doing a lot of different podcasts. You know, it's a pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet everybody. And it's such a, it's, it's great how the world has become small. Yeah, and you can find, and again, these guys that are looking to, to break in, they want work out there as well. And, you know, maybe you, you work on something together and, and they're not these giant names, but what if you, I mean, Ryan could go on to have a massive career. I mean, clearly he's got, you know, huge amounts of talent based on the pages that we've seen so far. So I think people will be looking for, oh, that was the, that was the first book Ryan did that I ever saw a game of doubles. I'm going to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, and the best part is, you could buy our whole back catalog on those add-ons. You could you could become a true fan right away. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, it's been great talking to you, uh, Jonathan. One last question before we wrap up here. Um, yeah, you got to be looking forward to the return of conventions. At least I got to think you you are. Uh, are you looking forward to getting back out there and and having game of doubles on the table and being able to to hand sell along with uh, burn residue and your other work? You know, it's funny because this would be the first time I'm actually going to a comic convention with any sort of um, like thing to push. I went to New York Comic Con maybe six or seven years ago, and that was the first like big one I'd ever been to. And I was just like a wide eyed fan right. just wandering around. But now I feel like I have so much intention. I have so many more people that I like know that I'm going to have to like now you can meet me in the flesh and it's going to be hard to get rid of me and, you know, walk around with a backpack full of books to sell to people. You know, I'm excited for that. Not sure how excited my wife is for that, but I'm excited <laughs> for that. Well, speaking for somebody who, who, who has done that, not necessarily selling, but the whole networking thing. Yeah. There's nothing quite like it. I've definitely missed my, my comic creator friends and acquaintances I've gotten to know yeah. over the past year or so. Um, let everybody know online where they can uh, follow you or follow game of uh, doubles. And again, everybody, there will be a link in the show notes to the actual campaign, uh, but I'll put links for, uh, for Jonathan's social media as well. Uh, where can people find you? Thanks. So on Twitter, I'm commander of Zed C M D R of Zed. Then on Instagram or space station Zed, uh, you can go to my website, space station Z.com that has, uh, it has two short stories that I did with George on there, two short comics. It has the the article that we talked about for Game of Doubles is on there. And then there's also a five-part kind of cosmic horror prose story with pictures, multidimensional time boxes on there too. And that's fun. And also a Game of Doubles on Kickstarter. Fantastic. Uh, and again, everybody, I'll put links in the show notes so you can go. You can find Game of Doubles Kickstarter. You can find Jonathan's social media and his website. Uh, so just a reminder, you have until 9 p.m. I'm sorry, 8 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday, June 24th to back the project. But don't wait. Go back it right now. Uh, and maybe, who knows, maybe even some stretch goals down the, down the line. So uh, again, it's a little over halfway there. Game of Doubles if you've listened to this, you know how fantastic this idea is with multiple endings that Jonathan has come up with. Go to the Kickstarter page, check it out. And even if it's not for you, like we said earlier, please uh, just share it out on social media. So uh, anything else to share as we're uh, winding up here, Jonathan? Uh, 
I guess I'll actually say two more things. The first thing is that um, you talked about stretch goals. Obviously, we're just barely over 50%. If we hit, hit stretch goals, I'm an insane creator who's already planned for this. You're going to get more content than you were prepared for if you do it that way, like a bonus comic. So fantastic. I, I would recommend don't wait until the end. Prepare us beforehand. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure talking with you. You know, it's great. I love it. I love seeing everything. I love the camaraderie of all of this. I, lo I love comics. Yeah, we do too. We do too, which is why we do what we do uh, and why you listen. So we want to mm -hmm. thank you all for, for doing so. We always appreciate the support, everybody. So thanks for joining Jonathan and I, and we will talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.